<laughs> okay, should we dive straight into the Hungarian Grand Prix review then? I think we should do a preview first, to be honest. We should probably do a preview and watch the race before we even try and review it. It's getting late and I've spent all day staring at a screen, so my eyes really don't want to be staring at one for too much longer. Will I keep the hat on because we've now moved over to Hungary? We well, you know, did an audio and podcast. But you yeah. also want to sort of imbue it with the good luck of predictions and wishing Fernando Alonso all the best. So I feel you ought to keep it on. Okay. I mean, you can swap to the pink fluffy bucket hat if you'd rather, but... Uh, that isn't near me. I've got out on John. <laughs> He's not racing this weekend, is he? What if he sings the Hungarian national anthem? It'd be quite funny considering their stance on things. Sexuality, yeah, I was going to yeah. say it's quite a bold move. That's Sebastian Vettel rocking up in a rainbow t-shirt levels of audacity. He should really invite him as a guest for us tonight. I'll wear my Elton hat then as a stand. There's your bold prediction, Ellie, mate. <laughs> Elton John performs the Hungarian national anthem at the start of the race. It's worth the risk and not getting a point for, because if it happens, oh. How distracting will it be if I put the glasses on as well? Not We're used to it, to be honest. She does this, you just got to get used to it. I mean, I can just sort of stop her video. <laughs> <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> Hamilton comes out. Is he ahead of Max Verstappen? No, he is not. Max Verstappen pulls the undercut on Lewis Hamilton. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Undercut Podcast. We're back in the nick of time to preview this weekend's Hungarian Grand Prix. Although Timo's written the script for this and he says back in the nick of time, assuming I'm going to be late editing this, which is uh, frankly quite fair. Um, yes, as ever, I am joined by Timo Albus Daly this evening. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad. Uh, fairly decent day, bit of a busy one, but all the better for sitting down and talking Formula One. Also joining us tonight, we have Ellie May, who might turn her camera on. She might still be wearing a hat. There's Elton John themed. We don't know. Ellie May, how are you this evening? I'm good, thanks. I'm just being petty because Jesse turned off my camera, so I'm not going to put it back on. We can edit that out as well, which is great. We can edit it out, and it's an audio-only podcast. No one's really going to know. Um, it's it's not just the three of us having the domestic this evening. We have invited along a fourth party to sit and watch as we argue our way through the Hungarian Grand Prix preview. Ada on a, uh, or I could never remember how quite how to pronounce it. You'll have to forgive me. You nearly said it right. Hey, <laughs> points are trying. How are you this evening? I'm good, thank you. Very excited. So are we ready to preview the Hungarian Grand Prix? And we'll dive straight in with what the hell has happened in the sort of gap between the French Grand Prix and going racing a couple of countries away in Hungary. The only news we've got at the moment, bear in mind we do record this on a Monday night, um, only Kevin Magnussen will be receiving the new upgrades for Haas. It's about time they got some upgrades. They've been largely unupgraded since the start of the season, haven't they? Which is kind of... 
impressive in some respects because okay they've not had the best time of it overall but when you think about how many upgrades other teams have brought and I'm still waiting for Aston Martin's one from Silverstone to kick in um it's it's gone all right for them so I'd be interested to see especially with Magnussen he's kind of he's not trounced to make completely but it'd be interesting it's interesting that they're giving it to him and not to Nick and is that because of you know, the new engine that they had to or whatever it was they had to give him for France and they just thought what is pilot on now we'll test it out and then we can get the kings out with him and then give it to Mick or if it's just he's doing better so we'll just give it to him um, but either way if we get a 2021 style race who knows how well we could uh, be having it with with them well what back in Spain when everyone else brought their upgrades they were like oh yeah we'll bring ours in France France has just been and gone I think Hungary is a bit of a weird track to bring upgrades on. You would have, I know, obviously they didn't have time to do it for France, but Hungary. I suppose it's a good thing because you can try it out there, and if it's bad, you've potentially got a lot of time to figure it out. Because I know not much can happen in summer break, but you can kind of, whilst you're not working on it, you can think about it and have all these ideas ready for when you come back after the summer break. Whereas if there was a race straight away afterwards, if they didn't France before Budapest, then you'd be like, oh crap, it's not worked out, or we've got another race, we're going to have to deal with this. Whereas instead they've got a nice window there where they can ponder and kind of sit by the shores and just drink some wine and just have a good old think about it. But I think it's risky. For the fact that it's so tight between turns what five and eleven that's like half the track i mean you can quite easily crash which is sorry mick schumacher but maybe it's why they gave it to kevin because in a tight twisty tracks schumacher has been kind of known to crash I apologise to Ken Megan in advance for Ellie May cursing him so profusely like that as he, as he crashes out immediately of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Kevin Magnussen <laughs> bowling. Just essentially does what Alex Albon did in Silverstone. Was it Silverstone? Yeah, got the new yeah. upgrades and then immediately tanked it. I mean, yeah, it does open up an interesting thing. I mean, I will completely throw the schedule of this completely off track because I just got a message through from regular listener to the podcast, my girlfriend, who said, Hamilton has the same number of podiums as Charles Leclerc this season. Which doesn't... <laughs> which, it took me a second to compute, but yeah. That's, I'm happy and sad about that. I know. As a Charles Leclerc fan, that hurts, but... That hurts. Where does that come from, from Hamilton? Like, how has he got all, that All back to back. All back to back. Yeah. Like, well, think about it. Aside from the races he's won, which is three this year, the clerk, which is Bahrain, Australia and Austria, he will then have only been on the podium one other time. Yeah. Which I can't think where that was now. Is it Miami? It also, yeah, Miami. Yeah. Saudi, did we say Saudi Arabia? Is he not second? Okay, or? then five then. But then Lewis must have... Oh yeah, five for Lewis as well then, because he got on the podium in Bahrain. That's a... Yeah. It's a bit of a mind-twisting statistic, and I don't. Really shocked faces on my screen. <laughs> Is everyone doing the sort of mental gymnastics trying to piece together quite how that's come about? But yeah. oh, it's not good. Not looking good for Ferrari. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's that's literally all the news we have going ahead of this because we do record these things on a Monday night. So there's not been a lot of updates from the world of Formula One. Hell, I might edit them in if I get around to editing this before oh. Thursday. We'll wait and see. But Timo looks doubtful. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to our little history section. Last time out at the Hungarian Grand Prix. And, uh, well, last time there, we were there, 2021. The race was pretty damn spicy, actually. Bottas went bowling on the opening lap, and then Hamilton was the only person who took to the grid to restart it when everyone else pitted for dries after that formation lap. We had the crazy scene of just Lewis Hamilton lining up in a pit box to take the start. And you're sort of thinking, this is like an F1 game loadout that hasn't quite rendered. Crazy. Um, that's me doing fantasy F1 when I've taken out everyone else on the first lap so I can just have a nice quiet race to myself. Yeah. I, if all of us had a games console and like F1 2022, hint, hint, Xbox, sponsor us. Um, that's the sort of chaos that would likely happen. But anyway, um, yeah, race got underway with just Lewis Hamilton on the circuit, then everyone else coming out of the pits. Somehow George Russell, I think, came out in some like second or third for a brief period. Nicholas Latifi was... Yeah, Latifi was third for a brief bit. It was all a bit crazy. Then obviously Lewis pitted for dries and basically tumbled to the back of the order and had to fight his way through. And then class resumed on the Fernando Alonso school of defending. Ocon drove it to a victory. Williams bagged double points finish. Vettel got a DSQ for not being able to ride a fuel sample. All in a pretty decent race. It was just one of those chaotic races where there were so many different things happening up and down the grid. It was a bit tricky to keep track of. Um, I think at one point, Kimi Raikkonen crashed into Nikita Mazepin in the pits. and Understandable. Yeah, if the chance comes up, you're going to do it. I think that's the case of what happened there. It was just the AlphaTauri guy saw him coming along and thought, no, nah, let him go. Um, it's low speed, it's not going to hurt. But yeah, it's crazy race. And the Hungarian Grand Prix has always been kind of a weird one. Um, since the circuit received a bit of a revamp in 2000, after the 2002 Grand Prix, we had a slightly different layout. So for the history side of things, we'll only focus on races from 2003 onwards. And uh, bookmarking the stats, weirdly enough, is Renault. They won with Alonso in 2003, and then as mentioned, with Ocon in 2021, when they were in a called Alpine. So it's kind of a weird thing to start off with. Um, in the middle, just three wins for Ferrari, Schumacher in 2004, Vettel in 2015 and 17. McLaren, that's, very, that's very impressive from Mick at such a young age. Really impressive. It was it was just like an FP1 seat that got carried away. Um, McLaren run well at this circuit. Six wins over the span of time we're looking at. Kimi in 2005. Lewis and a name from the history books, Heike Kovalainen uh, hey. in 2007 and 2008. I think that's the first mention of him on the podcast. Uh, Lewis Hamilton again in 2009, uh, Button in 11, and then back to Lewis for 2012. Red Bull comparatively have the worst record over the span with just two wins. Mark Webber in 2010 and Danny Rick in 2014. Not Um, bad for number two drivers. Not bad for number two drivers at Red Bull, though. If we include when they were technically called Honda for a bit in 2006, Mercedes have six wins, which puts them on par with McLaren. It's all a bit of a knot. Um, Drivers-wise, Lewis has eight wins here of the active grid. Seb two, Danny Rick one, uh, Danny Rick, Alonso and Esty uh, won a piece there. So uh, if we extrapolate all of this to have some semblance of an idea, it's looking like a Mercedes engine win, statistically Lewis, although worth not forgetting McLaren, especially as Daniel Ricciardo has form at the circuit and is in a team seat that has form too. With so, a Mercedes engine? 
now with a Mercedes engine as well, which is where a lot of McLaren wins came from with a Mercedes engine. So I, I suggest we all say nothing more on that and just let what happens happen so we don't accidentally cause anything. To save anything going wrong from As there, someone with powers like mine, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot yard pop. I, worth not doing. So we'll move on to the weather and the weather forecast. Um, as far as I can work out at the moment using my long range and surprisingly accurate weather forecasting abilities, uh, we're looking at about 30 degrees Celsius and fairly dry across the weekend, although uh, possibility of rain in the run up to the race and especially afterwards. I don't think it will be a damp track. There could be rain in the week leading up to the Grand Prix weekend. Although if we do see the weather systems pick up a bit of energy, uh, that rain could come in early. It is due for early evening, so we could see a wet tail end to the race. But my best bet at the moment is uh, dry, but I would keep some tyre blankets on a set of intermediates to be on the safe side. Uh, although if we dive into the history, the circuit never saw a wet race until 2006. And we've been racing at the Hungara Ring since the 80s, I believe, or possibly earlier than that. And it took the best part of three decades for them to have a wet race, which is... Climate change. Yeah, just a bit of a weird statistic and probably climate change. Um, the question is, which on-track battles should we be looking out for? Ferrari had some pretty wicked pace in France where the opening and closing sectors are quite Hungary-ish. If I want to say it like that, Hungary. They're quite Hungary-ish. Hungarian. Hungarian or Hungary-ish. I somehow went neither way with that one. Um, bit tight and twisty, and we could see Ferrari have an advantage there with a slightly more drivable chassis. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Charles and Carlos carry some good pace around the oversized go-kart track. Uh, beyond them, if Lando and Danny can carry forward some form... I can see them having a good fight with Alpine on track. Mercedes won't have to worry about their pace disadvantage so much either. So essentially, this could be a five-way team's melee at the front of the field. So knowing that, it's time to look at our predictions. We'll open up, as ever, with pole position. Timo. We've said in the previous episode of our review for the French Grand Prix that Charles Leclerc has... Uh, fairly good number of pole positions this year, if, if nothing else, which at this rate will be all he's got to shout about. So I'm going to see he gets pole position as well for the Hungarian Grand Prix. And yeah, bosh, jobs are good. Em. I mean, I don't have anything to add to that. I reckon we can see another Charles Leclerc pole, whether or not it's a Charles pole max win, as seems to be the form uh, as yet to be determined. But yeah, I'll side with Timo. Charles Leclerc pole. Ellie May? I've gone for Carlos Sainz, because I think he may still have the engine new engine advantage coming into this race. So hopefully he, he was the stronger of the two in France. So and he was also quite strong in well, they were both equally strong in Monaco, which I guess is kind of the nearest track to Hungary in terms of the turns five to eleven. So I think Ferrari could be, yeah, pretty good. Spain might be a little bit similar as well, but I could just be bullshitting. But it feels like it's similar in my head. In terms of there's a long straight, there's a lot of twisty corners. Mm. They call it's it Monaco without, Monaco without the walls, don't they? Mm. Mm. Edda, predictions for Paul? Um, Charles Claire, same as you. I think he's got, um, I think he'll want to prove himself even more since yesterday. And uh, I think he'll do that by getting pole. 
seems to be a fairly solid shout across the group here. So the question is, podium positions, first, second, and third. Timo, you and I have started off on the same foot, both gone for a Charles Leclerc win from a Charles Leclerc poll. I apologise to Leclerc in advance for this because as it's the last race before the summer break, I only have this one more opportunity to test out my powers of cursing and not cursing accordingly, which didn't happen for France. So maybe I'm onto something or I'm just grappling around in the dark like Ferrari strategists are. But I'm also going to be a tad optimistic and say Leclerc does actually convert it for once again this season, which it's not unheard of. So it's doable. And then I think Max will just be there in the background. Uh, they have a nice Duke out like in Saudi Arabia, but it'll be a reversal of, of the outcome there. And then, as we were mentioning, uh, Renault's strong history at this track. Stud it. Let's have Fernando Alonso in third. He deserves it after defending so well last year. And he does very well there. And it's kind of like Mercedes. When Alpine are given the opportunity to be there, they are there. They were the Mercedes of last year in that sense. Like if if Alpine are this year's, you know what I'm trying to say. I can't word it in my head, but you're all smart enough to figure it out. Did he end up third, Fernando? Alonso? In Qatar, when, yeah. No, I mean, in, who ended up third in Hungary? That was Carlos in the end, I think it was, wasn't it? Because of Lewis. Second, because of Vettel getting unceremoniously screwed over by the stewards. It last year was one of was most of Carlos Sainz' podiums were not actually on the race. Yeah, up until the start of this year, the majority of his podiums had been served not on the podium, which was kind of the weird fact about Sainz. Um, That's an interesting podium. I'd say mine's a little more interesting. I've gone for the Charles Leclerc win as per, but uh, I don't okay. think, I think he'll be able to hold it off this race. And again, it's not quite as a power dependent circuit. He's getting to the end of the end of this engine life, which I think won't matter too much. And yeah, he's got a lot to prove and a big gap to make up in the championship. And potentially this is just me being hopeful. I haven't included Max on my podium at all. I really need Charles to start closing up the gap. Um, it would be helpful for the championship. It would be fun for the championship and equally just hope good good for my soul if it could happen. Um, Sergio Perez is my second place driver prediction. I can see him again coming into sort of the end of the season. He needs to have something to prove and again sort of say, don't forget about me. He had a slightly pants sort of French Grand Prix, didn't necessarily go his way. So he's coming back to Hungary with a bit to fight for. Um, then third place, Daniel Ricciardo. I can just see things weirdly panning out his way whether or not something goes wrong for the mercedes and potentially for max just strikes me as it's a crazy enough circuit for something to work for danny rick and a strange podium i'm not going to say he's going to be close to perez and leclerc at the front he might come home in a bit of a no man's land but yeah i kind of hope for your i kind of hope he does kind of finish in a no man's land because it's going to be even more frustrating if it's close because you're like oh could have had that win yeah, or as at least if he sort of gets on the podium, there's a bit of a gap to Perez. He's like, all right, we did what we could and we were a good way ahead of the guys behind. Solid. And I reckon that will go a long way to helping his season and his fortunes. But also it would just throw things into such a disarray in the overall standings. So, yeah, I'm just here to shake things up if my predictions come true. Ellie May, you've gone, I don't want to say formulaic, but yeah. Well, I think... So what, 20, 
two, I think, the 36 Grand Prix that we've had at Hungary have been won from the front row. So I kind of wanted to stick to the person that gets pole is going to win it. So I've gone for Carlos Sainz. Um, and as well, because it's a track that's really hard to overtake on. So I'm not sure we're going to see that many unless it happens at turns one, two and three. I think that's kind of about it. Really. Again, cue a race where we have the most overtakes of the entire season. <laughs> and they're all at like turns six and seven at like the chicane or something stupid like that. Um, and then I've gone, yeah, Max Verstappen in second and Charles Leclerc in third. I think, I don't know, I don't want to jinx Leclerc too much. So I've like put him further down the, the order and he can, you know, just get a good points haul. He needs more than a good points haul at this point in time. You you said on the French Grand Prix review just how big that gap was to Verstappen. He needs more than just a good points haul to really close that one. Edda, how are we looking for the podium from your end? I think Charles is going to have a great weekend. I think he's going to um, top it off with a win. But I don't think Carlos will get on pole. Um, not on pole, on the podium. I'm going to go with a double Red Bull second and third with Max second and Checo third. I see. Watch Checo get pole and win this race. Yeah. <laughs> he needs that to be fair why do you say these things because then it's going to happen why do you say these things we both wanted Charles to do well and now you've got to throw it away I think Checo is going to do brilliantly this weekend there we go Come you're balancing it out Timo could be too late for that though we'll wait and see he's very good at twisty turny tracks isn't he yeah, this is true he did, do, he did all right in Monaco he did all right he won the race Okay, understatement. Fair enough. Fastest lap, Timo. Lewis Hamilton. He loves the track. He does well in Budapest, generally speaking. And if it wasn't for uh, Alonso last year, he would have probably won that race because I think by the time he would have gone up to Vettel and knock on, bye bye to those two. So, in terms of if he's in a bit of a no man's land like he was in France, then maybe, especially if he's got George behind by like a comfortable margin, then. He was like, well, let's just pick, put some soft on, get a fastest lap, get another bonus point and just continue to cackle at Ferrari and Red Bull because we've stolen the point and you can't get it. Because if you do, you sacrifice a podium. Uh, yeah, it's a bold call. So I've gone for the other side of the mistake. Not as bold as your call. I, I reckon George Russell fastest lap isn't too far away from reality. The Mercedes is a quick enough car, but I reckon that he'll be in a slightly better position on the field to contest for that fastest lap. That's all I'm saying. He might have a bit more clean air. Whether or not that means he's far enough behind Lewis that he's got a good run without running into traffic or if he's far enough air to pit for softs. Unclear. But yeah, I reckon George Russell fastest lap. Ellie May's gone again a different direction. I've gone Max Verstappen for no... I haven't got any like real reason. I would say my... I would say my psychic powers again, but when I said that for Carlos Sainz, I was right, right up until the last lap of Silverstone when Lewis Hamilton got it. And I was like, God damn it, my psychic powers were almost there. Like Timo, I haven't quite fine-tuned them yet. I was almost right. So 
Maybe they're right this time round. Maybe they are right indeed. One more gap to fill fastest lap-wise. Fernando Alonso. I think he's going to be in the mix. And last year, he just, he loved the track last year. I think he'll do it. He'll pop up. I like that prediction. I also like that prediction. I, 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 yeah, no, I don't mind losing to that prediction. <laughs> got to come true now. Before we move on to our wild predictions, I'll do a quick callback to a point I mentioned earlier, which was the fact that Charles and Lewis have the same amount of podiums this season. Uh, Leclerc, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Australia, Miami, Austria. Hamilton, Bahrain, Canada, Silverstone, Austria, France. So yeah, five apiece at the moment, which is, even with the facts in front of me, still doesn't seem quite right. But... We'll move on from continually twisting people's minds with that one. Uh, wild predictions. The craziest prediction you could possibly conjure up. Timo was apparently Joe finishes inside the top eight. Ordinarily, you would think, oh, you're thinking that's not too crazy. But they've not scored points since, what was it, Baku? Um, so I feel like, and with Joe not having a great time with being flipped and booped accordingly in Silverstone and then just having a very undramatic exit in France, he could do with a little bit of boost. And I think him finishing the top eight is better than me saying top 10 because I don't want him to get one or two points. Even Lance Stroll can do that. and He's better than Lance Stroll. So we're going to put him inside the top eight. I'll prevent you from being called out on the internet. Uh, Alfa Romeo did score points in Canada and I think there was... In Canada. So, yeah, race after Baku. But I don't for, for a moment there, I thought you were going to be very uncharacteristic of yourself and defend Stroll. I'm glad you just corrected me instead. No, no, I, I was correcting you to save you from the internet. I wanted to be kind. Um, appreciate it. Anything for my co-host. Um, one prediction-wise from my side of the field, I'm going to go ignoring my Danny Rick podium, which I think is potentially a bit wild. Um, Bottas top six which I think is just that little bit crazy. Similar in vain to Joe Top 8, but it's a slightly slimmer margin. And I don't know if Bottas has come home in the top six yet this season. I don't think. It's weird. I think he has, but also trying to think that could just be a prediction we made at the very start of the season. Was he not very strong in these early races, like Bahrain, Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I don't know if that's top four, Tops, yeah, he might have been top six in Bahrain. I remember he scored eight points in Bahrain, which I think is sixth place, fifth place, something like that. Um, Just looking back through my records. Yeah, I think that might have been it. Bahrain, possibly. Let me have a quick look. Um, While I check my Bottas statistics, Ellie Mae, tell us about your wild prediction. I was going to go for Aston Martin in the points because I was going to do it for France and quit and changed my mind last minute to make, it French, to make it a French theme, which was pure regret because Pierre Gasly just let me down. You but have no I'm, gas, man. I know. Uh, but I'm going to, at last minute, change it again. And I'm thinking no Mercedes podium because this track is very, as I've said earlier, very tight, very twisty. The setup is quite stiff here. So are they going to go back to their sort of bouncing problems? 
I, I thought think, you were going to say more there, to be honest, before I wanted to well, jump in there. So. I thought I was going to say more too, and then I sort of lost my trail of thought. Other than, yeah, I think they're just... We haven't had race, racetracks in a while where we've had to have a stiff setup. So, they, I don't know, they might struggle again here. I mean, they might do. Going back to my Bottas point quickly, um, he's currently ninth overall in the standings and so far has finished sixth twice in Spain and Bahrain and then a fifth place at Imola. So uh, it can be done. That's all I'm saying. But it hasn't been done for a while. It hasn't been done since Spain a good sort of seven or so races ago. So we'll have to wait and see what happens next for Bottas. Um Okay, crazy predictions, Edda. I'm going to go Alex Albon gets into Q3, um, but he's sandwiched at the start of the race, so it's a DNF for him. Ooh, very specific, I love it. Mm. <laughs> and also, poor Albon, what's he done to you? <laughs> I just think he'll be really unlucky. Because I think Williams were too lucky last year. Nah, just too much good karma and then it's, it's just bad yeah. karma this year. Yeah. He has had bad luck this year, to be fair. It's kind of been a roller coaster for him, though. When it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it's bad. And there's yeah. not really a middle ground for it. He came home in 13th in France, which seems kind of high, but also unregarded. Yeah, but if I ask you where did uh, Albon finish in France when we're doing a season review, are you going to remember 13th? And if you do, is it only because I'm literally repeating it to you now a couple of times and it sticks in your memory? Uh, uh, possibly the latter. Didn't he have five DNFs? Um, he only... Uh, one, two... He's only had three DNFs so far this season. So it's No, not- but I mean in France, sorry. Oh, there was, yeah, five DNFs overall, though. So I, mean, I thought you meant, did Elbon have them? And I was like, no, you can only retire yeah. one from the race anyway. He's, he's not <laughs> had that much bad luck. Yeah, I mean... Punch a spare card. Go, go, go. But Latifi would have retired from behind him. Possibly Joe retiring from behind him. Charles and Leclerc. Y- and Yuki, let's face it. Yuki possibly also retiring from behind him. So it was only really Charles and Matt Kevin that really retired from in front of him. So... Mm. either way that's going to be a statistic that I definitely do remember because we discussed it at length now but yeah Alex Albon 13th in France um, which is sort of a, a weird point unless anyone's got any final points they want to chuck out there ahead of the Hungarian Grand Prix I just want to reiterate Ellie May's point from earlier and I want to see Elton John singing the Hungarian National Anthem uh, I want to know how the cars are going to take the chicanes at at six and seven because they previously would take a lot of curb over them you can't really ride the curbs this year if you do you're going to end up in the wall i kind of hope a few of them do because then i get to selflessly promote my other podcast because they're literally doing what is titled they're literally doing what it's called yeah we're going to avoid saying its name though Uh, a bit like (laughs) um it's a bit like Imola in a regard that it's got the big curbs that sort of throw you right into the wall. We saw that, of course, with Charles Leclerc back in Imola, where on the sort of closing laps, he somehow bounces way across 
uh, was it Beau Rivage or something? I can't remember which, what the corner was called, but then just sort of found himself skating towards the wall after clipping a curve. So we could see some big sort of sideways actions and mega saves if drivers are really throwing themselves around the track. So all still to play for, which is quite exciting. But we will find out after the Hungarian Grand Prix. And of course, we'll be back with our review of the Grand Prix. And then we'll be shuffling off quietly into the summer break. But fear not, we'll probably have content for then. So uh, we'll know more about that later. But until then, you can still find the three of us on the internet. Timo, where can the people find you? You can find me on the alluded to previously on the Curbs podcast, where I chat to famous and will be famous people from across the world of motorsport every week. And then I'm also on the unofficial Matchwork podcast, which by the time you listen to this, a new episode should have dropped. So go and have a listen to that. And also do some writing for Is It Fast and Paddock's Rarity, which is all very nice stuff if I do say so myself. But I am a little bit biased. But I've heard good things from other people. So, you know, let's, let's go with that. Jesse, where can they find you? I can be found all the way across the internet, usually under the um, handle of Jesse on Cars, probably on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Obviously, the podcast is also on Twitter. So if you have any complaints with this, either keep them to yourself or go and find us on Twitter and let us know there. Um, although if you are a fan of print media, you can find me at Classic Car Weekly. I'm trying to think what else I've been up to that will be in this week's issue. Um, I was at an Austin Centenary event uh, uh, celebrating 100 years of the Austin 7, which was Kind of a fun event, a lot of interesting and quirky cars and some especially quirky owners. But uh, yeah, if you want to go see some pictures of funny little cars from the 30s, pick up this week's issue of Classic Car Weekly. Ellie May, where can the people find you? They can find me doing my key takeaways on the Undercut Podcast Instagram page. Or if you want to compliment us, then do it on our TikTok. And yeah, by the time this podcast probably comes out, I'd have probably had a meltdown from the amount of work I've got to do on top of... Well, I don't know if that's promoting where people can find you, though, unless it's in a psychiatric ward. You can find Ellie May crying in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, where can the people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram, where I write on about Formula One on the website in my bio. Excellent. So that wraps up our preview for the Hungarian Grand Prix. All we've got to do now is wait and see whether or not Daniel Ricciardo can get that elusive podium, or if Elton John does perform the Hungarian National Anthem. What if Daniel Ricciardo sings the National Anthem and Elton John ends up on the podium? And you've probably taken too many magic mushrooms. How mad would you all be if that happens now, though? I'm gonna... If even one of those happens now. I'm gonna be a bit mean and say, I'm not sure Elton John can fit in an F1 car. I thought you were about to say, you're not sure Danny Rick can sing or play the piano. (laughs) I said on the podium, I didn't say he had to be like on one of the steps. He didn't say he had to have earned it. He he just could have just wandered up there. there, And everyone's like, why are you here? He could be handing out the trophy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I did have uh, something I was going to wrap up with there, but I completely forgot what it was on the account of my brain immediately jumped to Elton John. Just miniatures of Elton John are the trophy for the Hungarian Grand Prix. I quite like, like or, or, or he kind of lowers down singing Rocket Man with the guitar and he's just handing the trophies out that way. In uh, the outfit that he wears in The Second Kingsman. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> this is the strangest little 
tangent this podcast has ever gone off on. Thank you very Better much. Than whatever you were going to end it with, though. So I feel like it's a good place where we can end this episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>